Today is Friday, July 14th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The Utah Attorney General speaks to CBN and has a blunt response to the critics of Sound of Freedom. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and share it with a friend. And you can also email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. And we'd love to hear from you. We're getting through the news of the cray here each and every weekday at 7 a.m. Love to have you with us. With me now, Billy Hallowell and Madison Seals once again on this Friday. How's it going, everybody? I'm doing well. You guys remember Trey? <laughs> He's remember on vacation. Him? Yes, we remember Trey. He's the co-host of this podcast. Uh, well, I'm glad to be here. I'm excited. <laughs> I am too. The Friday after a holiday weekend just seems like it can't come soon enough. It's yeah. hard to get back into the swing of things sometimes. Indeed, you are absolutely correct about that. In the meantime, we have a lot to get to, as we always do on this podcast. We're jamming in a lot within this 20 minutes-ish or so that we go. And on the focus story, Madison, you have something on a, a new state index that's coming out on religious freedom. Yeah, we talk a lot about religious liberty and freedom in general being threatened around the United States on this podcast. So today we're going to look at this index that actually compiles a bunch of data and legislation in each state and then ranks them by how religiously free they are. Ah, everyone, in the meantime, you have to guess as to which one is the least free and the most free, and then we'll see what happens there uh, when we get to that segment. But On the main thing as well, great interview, Billy, with Sean Reyes, who is the Utah Attorney General. Fascinating stuff responding to the critics of The Sound of Freedom. So we're going to get to all that on the podcast, but first we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And the Secret Service concluded its investigation into the cocaine that was found at the White House And they've said that no specific person of interest has been identified due to, quote, lack of physical evidence. The cocaine was discovered back on July 2nd in a receptacle for electronic and personal devices that you have to put in before you enter the West Wing. The Secret Service says they're conducting a thorough examination of security systems and protocols to determine how the cocaine entered the White House. One of the world's biggest mysteries. The FDA approved the first over-the-counter birth control pill yesterday. By eliminating the need for a prescription, this decision could lead, as pro-life activists are arguing, to increase use of these pills. And Perigo, the company behind HRA Pharma, they celebrated this decision. They called it a, quote, victory for women's health arguing that expanding access to over-the-counter contraception is, quote, essential for reproductive autonomy. And a top psychiatrist is recommending you go back to church to combat loneliness, which has now become a major U.S. health threat, according to the experts. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. Guys, wanted to get your reaction here to a couple of those headlines First and foremost, the cocaine investigation is over, and a shocker, they couldn't figure out who it was. I mean, I have my guesses. I don't know about you guys, but this was quite something to see them just say, well, we give up. We don't know. No idea. We're moving on. It's unacceptable. It's worth evacuating the White House for, but not really delving into where it came from in the first place. (laughs) I mean, cameras are a thing that I'm pretty sure are all around the White House. I hope 
that we have lots of security and cameras and things of that nature. We need that more than any place else at the White House for the president of the United States, the most important person in our government. And they're just trying to tell us now that they just don't know. I mean, I think everyone probably has their guesses as to who it is, but I find it remarkable that they're just not even saying that we're going to continue the investigation, but they, what did they spend 10 minutes on this? And then they just gave up. I mean, this is crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's unacceptable. It also makes America weirdly look weak. I mean, it's like, oh, we can't even solve who brought the illicit illegal drugs into the white house. Right. I mean, to me, I don't know. This to me is unacceptable. To your point about the cameras, there have to be cameras there. They have to have some idea of who it was who who did this. I I mean, I have my ideas like you do, Dan. But at the end of the day, I don't want to bear false witness. All <laughs> right, I want to yeah, no, say is yeah. that, well, like, how often is this happening, by the way? Like, is this is the first time we've caught it. Has this happened before? Is it going to happen again? And will they be able to solve it? I Apparently not. Who is going? Okay, so it was in the receptacle. You know, those things you got to put, you go through the security and everything, and you got to put your keys in and whatnot. You just, you're unpacking your pockets and, whoops, there's a bag of cocaine. I'm just going to throw it right on in there and just move on through. What in the world? It's insanity. Yeah. All right, but we're going to move on now to the focus story. And Yesterday, the Center for Religion, Culture, and Democracy published the results of its second annual Religious Liberty Index, which ranks each of the 50 states by how well their legislation protects the religious liberty of their residents. And this year's ranking adds some new categories or safeguards. So we're going to take a look at those right now. And Madison, what is the Religious Liberty in the state's index. Well, it's actually the only academic peer-reviewed objective index on religious freedom that compares each state based on how well they protect religious liberty through legislation. So it's unique. And the data that they use is based on 34 safeguards, as they call them, that allow people to opt in or out of things for religious reasons, like opportunities for absentee voting, if you have some sort of religious ceremony that you want to observe, exemption from childhood immunization requirements, and then also health care provisions that allow employers to refuse things like funding abortions or contraception. So this is actually the second year of the project. It came out last year as well. And since then, they've added a few new safeguards in the areas of religious ceremonies and for school-aged children. So it's always developing and always growing to better protect against the, as we're well aware, growing number of religious attacks. Yeah. And so, as you said, there's like a lot of different uh, measures that they use, a lot of different factors that they look at. Um, What are some of the results of of all of those that stand out from this year's index? Yeah. So it's a ranking system that's based on percentage. So 100% is like a perfect protection of religious liberty score. And 1% is China. No, it's (laughs) just about as unfree as it can be, though. And one of the things that's noted in the index is that the rankings don't really follow any, well, they don't at all follow any political stereotyping. And both red and blue states are at the top and bottom of the rankings. So like this year, the conservative state of Texas ranks near the bottom, Mm. actually, in 42nd place. And that's with 34%. But progressive-leaning New Mexico ranks in third place, Washington in sixth, and Maryland in ninth place. So Illinois, which is surprising, earned the highest score in the index at 85%, which the report says is due to its long history of protecting religious liberty and state laws that safeguard religion. And West Virginia came in last place at 14%. Really? I think the two... 
Yeah, 14%. So that's the highest and lowest. But I think the two rankings that people might find most interesting is Florida at 60%, which I personally thought would be higher. I think most people would agree. And California at 21%, which is not surprising at all to me. (laughs) What were some of the things that made like West Virginia, for example, or Texas get a poor score? There's so many different categories that they can consider. I think I said like 34 different categories. So they might have some safeguards like protecting people's right to observe religious ceremonies or to get out of now that they've added these school age children exemptions, Mm. kids can get out of school to observe um, some sort of religious ceremony or mass or something like that. But they could be short on legislation in other areas. Like if you work in some sort of medical profession, you may be forced to sell the abortion drug over the counter. Right. The protections aren't in place. Right. Right. Texas is also a massive state. So the legislation in different cities and counties can differ. There's just a lot more room for there to be fluctuations and the protections of religious liberty there. What's the purpose of ranking each state like this? The index was really created for the public's use. So it's not an unrelatable or overly academic study at all, which is really cool. It really provides insight into the strengths and the weaknesses of religious freedom in different states. And the purpose is to empower people to strengthen their freedoms and engage with their elected officials. So the more informed we are, the less that we can be taken advantage of. And I'm not good at reading studies or indexes (laughs) in general at all. I just get overwhelmed (laughs) with all of the information, all the stats. But this index is actually really easy to navigate and learn from. So it's, yeah, I want to look into it more when I have more time and all the listeners should check it out too. It's really interesting. Yeah, well, that's a good idea. And we'll put it in the uh, description to this podcast. Appreciate you bringing that one to our attention, Madison. We're going to move over to the main thing now. And Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes, he's a politician and a public servant, but he's also a confidant and friend of Tim Ballard, who is the subject of the new movie Sound of Freedom. Ballard, who's played by Jim Caviezel, is a former government agent in the film and his journey of discovering the horrors of human trafficking and then going on a mission to save children is depicted. But there have been some critics of this film that have been downplaying the threat of child and human trafficking and as well as Ballard's role in it. Well, Reyes has a pretty blunt and direct response to those critics on today's main thing. We're going to get into your relationship uh, with Tim Ballard, the work you've done with him. You know, as attorney general of Utah, these are issues that obviously are important to you. And you've had a long career in law enforcement. I want to I want to emphasize that Sound of Freedom has been met with overwhelmingly positive reviews. The audience loves the film. Um, I have seen the film. I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, but but there have been a couple of reviews in, in large outlets. And one of them, in light of what we're talking about, I want to highlight it. I have it in front of me here. It's from Rolling Stone. And this particular writer uh, basically says that the, the film is being passed off as a documentary. And this is a quote rather than delusion by fomenting moral panic for years over this grossly exaggerated epidemic of child sex trafficking, uh, much of it funneling people into conspiracy rabbit holes and QAnon communities. But the part there that stands out is this grossly exaggerated epidemic of child trafficking. How did you react when you saw that response to Sound of Freedom? Before I answer the question directly, um, Billy, let me go back to something that you said about this opportunity. Because for many years, those of us in the fight at all levels across the world have been hoping for a film that would be accessible, even though it's a very dark topic, 
for the average person to connect with and understand that every one of us is a possible victim, that every one of our families is potentially a victim. And we had like Liam Neeson and Taken a number of years back. I think that started like in 2006. And that started to maybe just awaken people a little bit, but it wasn't kind of couched as a trafficking film. This squarely addresses it and is such a great opportunity. And now to answer your question, the, my first reaction is what a shame. What a, what a missed opportunity for somebody who has a sphere of influence to pretend that this abomination doesn't exist and to try to discredit those who are fighting against it. Um, I feel sorry for the author of that uh, editorial, that, that article. Um, I don't know what turmoil is going on in his or her own soul, but to suggest that human trafficking either doesn't exist, that's an absolute fiction. And it comes from a point of terrible ignorance um, I wish, though, and this is interesting, he said that we were fomenting, and I, I may get the exact verbiage wrong, moral outrage. Um, I wish we were fomenting more moral outrage. I, I, that's our purpose, is to, is to offend people into action, hope that they realize that there are little children, and men and women certainly, too. It's not exclusive to children. The majority of them are not children, but the children are the most vulnerable in this. And to suggest that it, it doesn't exist or that the um, that those of us in the fight against it are exaggerating its pervasiveness and its effect on humanity, I think is, again, absolute ignorance. Um, I feel sorry for, for them, um, but we, it doesn't deter us. We, we are so excited about the overwhelmingly positive response. Tim Ballard and I can't believe we, we kind of have to pinch ourselves sometimes because it's been a long time in the making and even longer in the distribution. And now that it's here, it is fulfilling what we had hoped. People are, are having conversations with their own soul and saying, you know what, if this is true, and, and I'm here to tell you it absolutely is, and anybody who tells you that it's not or that it's exaggerated, has never been out in the trenches, has never worked these cases, has never put their life on the line like Tim has or the other operators around the world, like prosecutors, victim advocates, survivor care advocates, all of the people who are in the fight, uh, I think um, deserve mention as well. And so we take these types of criticisms as a badge of honor, um, no good deeds, no worthwhile endeavors, were ever met without hate and uh, and criticism. So that, that tells us we're onto something. And uh, the forces uh, uh, of darkness, you know, they'll use um, many different uh, vehicles to try to undermine uh, the fight. Well, and I, and I want to emphasize here, too, and I want you to tell us a little bit about this, because this very much is your story as well. You are involved in this film. You have been with Tim on Rage. You have planned them with him. And you go back even further with him um, in, in government. And so talk a little bit about your relationship. I think it's important for people to understand this who Tim is, because there are, you know, there have been a number of stories, right, casting doubt on his tactics or going after him on, on a variety of different things. And I want people to understand, I love what you said there. You just said, this is true. You know, Tim, you've been involved in this. So talk a little bit about the roots of that relationship. Sure. Tim Ballard is a hero. No other way to characterize 
him. Um, he was a very respected and successful uh, special agent for Homeland Security, and he was effective at combating things like child pornography and child predators. Um, when it comes to human trafficking, even in the law enforcement side, and certainly in government in general, there wasn't a lot of awareness. There weren't many resources. There weren't people really focused on it. And so Tim was a pioneer in many ways, and he developed a lot of skills um, when he had his badge. And then he made an incredible leap into, with a lot of faith, I will say, with his wife, to leave the security and safety of his badge and his pension and everything that he'd built up in his law enforcement career. He was also a, a great author um, that had a large following, um, you know, lecturing in, at colleges and universities. He could have stayed in that very comfortable zone. And instead, he gave that all up so that he could go out in the world and try to seek out and bring home and rescue uh, men, women, and especially children. So if anybody doubts either his experience or his credibility, again, that's coming from a point of, of absolute ignorance, um, he left our task force in the state of Utah in 2013 uh, and our ICAC team, Internet Crimes Against Children, to go out on his own, start this NGO um, called Operation Underground Railroad. And he had an ambition and a dream to take the skill set that he'd built up as a federal agent and go out and become essentially a confidential informant for other nations and do the heavy lifting for them and and take the risks uh, on his own. And with that, uh, when I'm when I connected with him on on our you know mutual passion for fighting this evil institution, we were very few in number. Um, uh, our efforts were just starting, and the very first large operation that we went on um, that he invited me to attend, because I, I do for the state of Utah and for other jurisdictions we work with combating trafficking domestically, but his focus was overseas. And we went to Colombia, effectuated a highly successful operation. We didn't tell anybody that wasn't our purpose to um, try to promote it. We were trying to help the, the nation of Colombia and law enforcement. And lo and behold, the media caught hold of the story. And, and interestingly, it was the, 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 the media generally, some of these same folks, I imagine, who are now critics, who broke the story. And it was a very compelling story. And, and back then in 2014, they were all on our side and they were all promoting this. And this was amazing. It wasn't sensationalized. It was true life story where now, again, it's like, well, it's a conspiracy. Uh, I don't know what's happened in those 10 years or so in between to change these hearts and harden the hearts of, of these people. But back then, we were awakening the world through these operations, rescuing young ones, giving them their lives and their innocence back, um, trying to put resources towards their recovery even more than the rescue. And it was the media who was blowing this up around the world um, we didn't think there would be a movie about it. Um, and so, I, yes, I've been with Tim from the beginning. Um, there are many others who are operators and support for Tim, but he is the voice of this movement. It's his story. And of course, as the messenger, he's going to receive the lion's share of criticism from those who, who are, are, are trying to hate. Um, but in terms of the operations themselves, uh, I'm happy to debate anybody 
anywhere, anytime in terms of the techniques that are used. Um, I've seen them, I've participated in them. Uh, to be clear, we work under the auspices of the host nations. Many times they invite us in. They want our help. Uh, they want people to pose as Americans because they know that's far more effective than having someone from their own country. Why? Because it's usually Americans or Europeans or others um, that look like us that are coming down to the country to exploit men, women, and children. So we work under their laws. We follow their constitution if they have one. We coordinate with their law enforcement teams. We help put together their cases and have even testified in their cases to help put predators away. And while we're looking for trafficking, we may be helping them put together other aspects of their case, drug smuggling, money laundering. In fact, in certain instances, we like that they can bring other types of charges against the perpetrators. So we don't have to necessarily prosecute a trafficking case. Why? Because prosecuting trafficking means putting our, our victims, our survivors back on the stand, making them re-traumatized, um, essentially putting them back through their horror. So often we will try to help these other nations put together a, a concurrent case. Um, but the, the effect is the same. These trafficking networks are taken down and they start to realize now there's risk where risk didn't exist before. Cartels, organized crime saying, well, this is getting to be more like drugs again. They're, they're actually people looking for us. They're actually people um, putting resources towards fighting this. And that was our hope from the beginning. And the movie depicts it very accurately. I think the movie shows how painstaking we are in terms of preparation, safety, working with um, law enforcement in the other countries. So all of those things come into play, Billy. Probably longer answer than... Uh, no, it's, it's, it's incredibly helpful and fascinating. And you answered a couple of other questions that I was very curious about. I appreciate you taking the time and I'm looking forward to having you back again sometime soon. All right. Fantastic interview there. It was really great to hear his perspective on this, especially with so many voices just sort of crying into the wilderness about this film without really knowing what they're talking about. This guy was clearly very close to Tim Ballard, is very close to Tim Ballard and this issue of child trafficking. So great to get that perspective there on the podcast. You can check out the full interview over at the CBN News YouTube channel. All right. That's going to leave us with time here for one last thing. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. You look at the verse Exodus 23.1 and it reads, you shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. And you look again and again at the things that just go on in politics and in news and in our world, and people are constantly spreading false reports. And it's just convicting to us too, because it's easy, you know, to kind of, if you agree with one candidate and disagree with another, to feed into false reports. And so just a, a good, timeless biblical reminder. Right. Yeah. That we should always be in search of truth and not just looking for what we want to hear, but trying to actually identify truth and what God wants us to see too, to be open to what he's placing on our hearts. Too. Yeah, absolutely. And and very true that it's it's easy now to sort of be in your echo chamber and just sort of not do that and not do that extra diligence, but it's incumbent on us as Christians to do exactly that. So, all right, good place to leave it here on a Friday. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. As always, get yourself on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news. From a Christian perspective, Lord willing, and that creek don't rise, we will be back here Monday. God bless. See you then.